I can sit here and be like, whoa, it was me. I lost because of this, this, and that. Make every excuse. Or I can just be like, you know what? He was the better man at night. Give him the respect that he got. I'm going to be better from it. He's going to be better from it. I'm going to grow from it. And that's how my whole, the whole trajectory of my career has always been. No matter what happens, you got to continue to step forward. You are now tuned into Stay Dangerous. Before we get started on the show, I want to thank our sponsor, Midas Gold Group. Uh, if you or in the precious metals and golds, Midas Gold Group is the place to go. Veteran known, James Clark, uh, not only a veteran, United States Marine, and a friend of ours for the show. And uh, if you wait till after the show, go to MidasGoldGroup.com and you get, I just learned yesterday from talking to him, I knew, get, I knew you got free silver if you mentioned my name. But if you mention my name, you get up to $1,000 in free silver. Yeah. Yeah, $1,000 in free silver. All right. And, uh, you know, with the economic market, the way it's going, and the financial instability, the banking system, it's good to have some some tangible uh, precious metals on hand. I, I, I said yesterday when I was talking to him, I want to have three things on hand, Julian. When, when if the if we go zombie apocalypse, I want to have gold and silver and lead. Because with lead, I get anything I want. And gold <laughs> and silver, I can buy anything I want. Lead. If you got all the toilet paper, I get it from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but That's uh, right. yeah, Group dot com. So uh, today on the show we have my friend uh, Jalen Turner. Uh, man, super pumped to have you here. Uh, ranked number eleven in the UFC right now. As a as a lightweight and uh, got those sniper hands knocking knocking people out. You know and, it. Uh, you know it. Yeah, yeah. So it'd been a long time since we trained, and uh, and uh, and now you're here in Texas, and we, we're not going to train today, but we had we had a choice: train or shoot. So we could go shoot instead. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. shoot it for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't I don't need to get thrown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna say anything, but but I say it since you brought it up. Like I watch your fights. At, I mean, one, I always love to watch people's fights that I, that, I, that I love personally and care about. And, and I, I'm super proud of you, your career, and how you carry yourself is always super important to me. But, uh, but I also like super proud that I don't see anybody taking you down. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm like, you know, when you get old, you start wanting to take credit for stuff. And I'm like, no one's taking them down because of, because of my takedowns. That is a fact. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you that. You have one of the best fireman carries and explosive takedowns that I've dealt with early on especially in the gi too man it's yeah, like i get that grip yeah that grip is over <laughs> the old man strength yeah the old man grip I, I, i'm proud of that but i'm not naive enough to think you wouldn't punch me in the head from from like from like 10 feet away with those long arms. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i know i know i know where the reality is i mean you did fight him man so, you know yeah. You, yeah. you you understand the game so yeah. I, gotta, I ain't gonna say nothing i gotta get gotta i'd have to get in close with that with that length man actually you know what when i when i fought i fought a lot of because i fought flyweight and bantamweight and i fought a lot of long guys so i got used to fighting long guys and and using like i really had to like in the beginning it was easy because i started fighting and my first pro fight was in 99 so it was like kind of cheating because I, I was a jiu-jitsu guy and they had these guys that didn't know what they were doing so it's like take them down and submit them but then i, I had to point to where i was like 15 and 0 with all submissions and uh people know what i'm trying to do and and mm. it was no secret so i had to really learn how to take people down and get inside these longer guys and uh, you know, it came to it came to me learning boxing footwork. Lewis Wood, Lewis Wood still coaches here. He he coached like Bro. me, Tim Cador, Eve Edwards. Uh, and so not only was he was like thirty three and one as a pro boxer, uh, but he was also like a uh, state wrestling champion uh, back in his day. And he was he's just awesome, awesome with footwork. And and uh, so he instead of trying to teach me to be a boxer, he taught me how to use that footwork to get inside close to people, get them against the fence, and drag them down. And uh, yeah, everybody's longer than me, man. I have to figure it out. See, everybody's shorter than me, so I've, I have to <laughs> reverse engineer everything you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but from a from a taller person, you, you, there's a lot more power punching down at people, right, than punching up. Yeah, but 
it's it's also it's also a lot, a lot of distance loss when you punch down mm. as you as you know yeah. and you know if shorter dudes slip a punch they they can get in They're so far you know yeah. my, my limbs are so much further extended. now they're deep inside of you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a pleasure watching you man it really is it's, i love watching your fights you. i think it's what people i think is one of the reasons you have been successful is what people you you fight a style that people want to watch uh, i mean i remember when i, when I fought at strike force uh I mean, me and Tim, I was, I was fighting this really cool strike force card. Like Daniel Cormier was on, Tim Kennedy was on, Jacques Array. Like it was a, it was a packed card. Uh, and, uh, and I was in the back and, uh, and, and the UFC had bought strike force at that time. And, uh, Sean Shelby was in the back and I was trying to get like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking perform for you guys at strike force. I want that UFC flyweight contract that was coming up. And, uh, and, and Sean Shelby made a comment that, Hey, you know, get some, people want to see some stand up Like, you know, you're taking everybody down and I, and I, and I was just being, I was cutting weight and I probably said something like shit. I was like, Hey, like, that's not my job. You put somebody in front of me. I can't take down. Like it's your job. And, and mm. Tim, who's like loud was like, Oh, and Sean never liked me since. Cause he embarrassed him. Sean got really red. He never liked me since. And, uh, Look out, yeah, dude. yeah. So never heard that story. <laughs> he never heard it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's me not getting a UFC contract. Even I won that bite that night. <laughs> Hey folks, I got a shout out for our new awesome sponsor, Midas Gold Group. These guys are the real deal, a family business in precious metals for two generations run by Marine Corps veterans who are all about supporting veteran causes and putting America first. But the best part, they know that true financial freedom comes from owning private currency like gold and silver. If you're feeling a bit worried about the unknown and want to secure finances, look no further than Midas Gold Group. With all the crazy stuff happening these days, it's smart to be prepared. If you don't know, our financial data is stored electronically. From bank deposits to retirement accounts, and let's face it, our digital grid isn't exactly invincible. That's where owning gold and silver can save the day, and it's becoming a seriously compelling option. Now here's the scoop. Inflation is nibbling away at your dollar's buying power, and major players like Russia, China, India, and Saudi Arabia are making moves to trade oil in different currencies. This could shake things up big time as the dollar stability depends on being the world's trade currency. The central bank digital currency is virtually already here with patents filed and big banks making plans. And Midas Gold Group sees potentially sketchy implications here. Will it mean the end of cold, hard-earned cash? Is it tied to social credit scores? Storing all our financial info on digital ledgers sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? That's why you can count on Midas Gold Group they're here to lend a helping hand. They've got competitive pricing, top-notch service, and lightning-fast deliveries all across the United States and Canada. And get this, they can even show you how to use your IRA and old retirement plan to own physical gold and silver without getting hit by any additional tax implications. So listen up, folks. When it comes to precious metals, Midas Gold Group is the real deal and the only one I trust. Give them a ring at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653 or hit up their website at midasgoldgroup.com. That's midasgoldgroup.com. They're all about giving friendly, no pressure advice on precious metals. And guess what? If you drop my name, Chad Robichaud, they're throwing in some free silver with any qualifying account. You can't beat that, right? So don't wait around. Secure your financial future with Midas Gold Group. Swing by MidasGoldGroup.com or dial 855-322-4653 and make sure you mention Chad Roby Show sent you. Trust me, 
you'll be glad you did. So people don't like watching people get drugged down to the ground and, and jujitsu put on. People love watching what you do. You know, I, I respect uh, I respect people going to the ground and grappling mm -hmm. as long as there's like some devastating strikes going on. You know, yeah, like some crafty submissions. Yeah, some crafty submissions, something slick or just yeah. just heavy pressure. Just yeah. do damage when you're down there. You know what I mean? Like, like when I fought Gamera, like all he did was like hold on. You know, he literally just was trying to steal the win from me because he was just holding on. He didn't didn't try to pass, didn't throw submission attempts because he knew I'd get out. You know, yeah. and it's like I. It is what it is, but I just don't like that way, that style of grappling. That's why I fight the way I fight, you know. I, I always grew up watching, like, Anderson Silva and, like, even Jones, you know, like, his his grappling offense, he's throwing nasty elbows on, on top, you know. So that's well, something I've always commended. Well, like, like uh, I think people look at you as a striker, uh, but you you just like John Jones, you came from a grappling background. Yeah. You wrestled in high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I tried out for the team uh, my sophomore year. Ended up making the team, ended up breaking my finger mm -hmm. on my growth plate, apparently. That's what the doctor said. Mm -hmm. So I had to stop wrestling. Then they cut the program the next year. And like that was the end of wrestling for me. And then I started training with some friends, doing like some backyard sparring. I trained in my backyard. I used a couch as a punching bag. I was like <laughs> watching Anderson Silva YouTube videos, uh, Shane Faison, Quan Kicker, like learning how to strike. And um, my senior year, I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with life. I don't know if I'm going to go to college. I started training, and I ended up uh, going to a, a fight team trial. Made the team, started fighting ever since. And that's where I met, I met you in California when I was teaching at Carlson Gracie headquarters with Tom Cronin, and and, uh, and that's where we started. And you, and you, by the way, for those legit uh, Carlson Gracie brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Thank you. So, yeah, legit jiu-jitsu. With the gi on. <laughs> with the gi. Yeah, yeah, he's legit. You got four, <laughs> you got, you know, you got four wins by submission. So, I mean, it's not like you're not out there, you know, submitting folks too, you know? So That is true. Yeah. I got to, you know, got to utilize every every advantage I have. It's funny because jiu-jitsu was one of the first things that I knew I hated doing. Yeah. I hated jiu-jitsu so really? much. Yeah. When I first <laughs> learned it, it was it was crazy because I'm such a visual learner and everything in jiu-jitsu is like a lot more kinetic. Like yeah. you have to feel positions, feel hips. And I was like, I almost stopped doing MMA because of it. Oh, but really? I kept at it. I love jujitsu now. That's so funny. That's the opposite <laughs> of me. Yeah. I hated striking. Like I never, I, I really, you know, 20 pro fights. I never felt nervous fighting. Not I like a little bit. Like I felt like a control. Like I was more nervous of performance. Like when I perform, but never felt scared to fight. But there was times I drove to boxing practice with Lewis Wood and those guys. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to vomit on the way to boxing <laughs> practice. Like I'd like, cause I know I'm about to get like beat up like and, and just have to endure but jujitsu, I like drive jujitsu. I'm like smiling. I'm happy as could be. Like I love. I have a shared <laughs> love for both. I, really? I started only training jujitsu. I didn't start kickboxing until I was a blue belt, and um, but then I fell in love with kickboxing. Kickboxing, and so now, now you know. But honestly, that's been good for me in the cage because because wherever the fight goes, I'm happy to be there. Uh, so so far, that's worked out for me. So, but tell tell us. Jalen, tell us the journey, the UFC journey, your path. I mean, you, you started, you said you started your shadow boxing, running, punching your, your family's couch. What's, what's I think the path you mean, the UFC? I, even start younger though. Cause I mean, um, I think most people like see UFC fighters and, and a fan of the UFC, they want to know like, how do you grow up? Like what, what's the, like, what's the foundation of someone that, you know, makes it that level? Man. Um, shoot. I, I grew up, uh, I grew up okay, you know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have too much like adversity growing up. Like it wasn't like super crazy, but it was also like me, like me just being modest, you know. Um, my mom and dad 
they split when I was like seven years old. And, um, you know, that, that kind of like weighed a little toll on me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, I grew up loving animals. I grew up skateboarding. You know, I was doing everything, everything outside of fighting. I didn't like, uh, my path was not fighting when I was growing up. You know, I was just, you know, kind of just trying to like figure myself out and just figure out where I was going to go. So, um, you know, my parents split it. Um, it took an effect on, on, you know, my mom and it was me and my sister and, you know, it was times got a little rough, you know, it was like mom was doing the best she could, like working a job, working for it, working for the County trying to provide for us. And, you know, dad was kind of like in and out of the picture. And then, uh, my early teens, he kind of like find like just completely like just vanished out of the picture, and then mm. you know I was just that, that was what it was. Yeah. Um, and through that time, I ended up um really like finding a passion for skateboarding, and that was like the first career choice I had was to be a skateboarder. And uh, but you still skateboard now? Yeah, still skateboard uh, yeah. now. Yeah, I love seeing your videos of doing that still. Like, you know, UFC fighters are just in the gym all the time grinding, but you're out living life, and you know. You know it's it's crazy because like I look back at it now and I'm like I manifested everything that my life has become now, mm-hmm. you know because that's something I always wanted to do when I was a kid and I still get to do it you know and I yeah. still get portrayed by it you know like I still get uh, admired for being able to do it, so you know it all works out in some in some like like crazy way so um yeah I'm thankful for it and you know even looking back in my life I can't really sit back and like be like what was me you know like like I can only sit here and tell you guys like you know like everything played out how it was supposed to play out. You know, that's just how my mind operates. You know, I changed my mindset, you know, I've never like played the, the, Oh, this sucks victim car. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. care. You know, like life is going to, life is going to be life, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So fast forward, um, shoot, I grew up, we lived in San, lived in Fontana, grew up in San Bernardino a little bit. We like went back and forth, um, middle school, skateboarding still high school started, uh, trying to like, find my way my mom made me do every sport she was like you got to try for basketball football track i hated all those sports i just <laughs> yeah. wanted to skateboard i didn't want to do anything i was not a straight a student i was i was a c average student and my mom my teachers would always call my mom they'd be like he could be an a student he doesn't apply himself i didn't like I, if i didn't want to learn it i didn't i would just do bare minimum you know yeah and um finally i found wrestling i'm one of my buddies uh told me to come try out for the wrestling team i didn't do it my freshman year but i did it my sophomore year i made a promise to him i'd do it and i went and i fell in love with wrestling that was yeah. the number one thing i like to do so uh it was one of the hardest things i ever did in my life was trying out for that wrestling team that hell week was crazy yeah but you know like i loved it and it and it pushed me and it and it showed me so much about myself and my character and um that's what got my spark and interest in mma and you know fast forward started training in my backyard made the team started fighting and yeah, now we're here met you along the way you know yeah. it's like it's been it's been a crazy journey looking back at it i remember uh i don't even know what year this was probably like six seven years ago when when i first met you yeah i guess like around there you you and row uh yeah probably about seven years ago i met you and row and uh and you guys were crushing a local scene and uh and i i knew mick maynard yeah you know, mm. uh, sean knows mick too yeah and i actually uh you probably didn't even believe I did this, but yeah, I told you I did, but you probably didn't believe it. I, I sent a message to McMaynard and I'm like, man, you got, you got to watch these two guys. Like these two guys are, are killers. And, uh, and, uh, and he kind of like, he, he told me just to keep, keep him posted on it. And then he'll mix super busy and gets a yeah, yeah. pitch late a million, million times. 
And then you, you, you guys both ended up being there. Yep. And, I, and I remember sending Mick, Mick a message one day saying, I told you, like, <laughs> these two guys. Yeah. I just seen Mick this weekend, too. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I sent a message when you guys, you guys are blue belts. Like, yeah, big yep. time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, man, keep eyeing these guys because yeah. you guys are crushing it in the local scene. Yeah, yeah. That was a good time. That was a good time. Was yeah. Well, you ended, up, you ended up on the contender. Well, before the contender, though, like, you, where, how'd you get into the striking? Cause that's what you're, you're so sharp at now. Like you, so you tell the rest, how'd you, how'd you, how'd that happen? Man, I, I literally did all my striking on my own. Like I started the whole foundation of my striking in my backyard. I just was passionate about it. I fell in love with it. It came easy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was just watching YouTube videos, YouTube university. It taught me. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, because you, you present yourself like a very like, like lifelong skilled, like, I mean, one, you have a, I think you have a great offensive game, but your counter striking is like so good. That was like my number one thing when I started was everybody was trying to pressure forward on me and, and crowd me and block me and just be aggressive, like just aggressive style, you know, cause I'm, I'm yeah. a taller guy and I just learned how to handle and deal with that pressure going backwards, mm. you know? So i just learned to counter strike really nice, you know, just step off, hit angles, keep my distance, step off hit angles and just keep that whole game, you know? And, and now it's kind of different because I, I got more power. I hurt people. So I'll start yeah. walking forward more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, Striking came natural to me. Striking and wrestling came so natural to me. Those are like the arts that really let me know that I wanted to do MMA. You know, I fell in love with those things. And jujitsu was like the bread and butter for me because I, I hated it so much. And I was yeah. like, I need it's a it's vital key for me. So I had to learn it. You know, some of the things you hate you end up being that, my favorite. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You gotta you gotta dig in and embrace it and just know like. I don't like this, but I got to do it. And then at some, at some point you fall in love with it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to hate the gi, hated training in the gi. And um, I remember my professor was like, well, you're not going to get belted unless you train in the gi. I was like, all right, cool. So I started training in the gi more and finally got to a brown belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I trained and I, I taught at Tom Cronin school. And, and I mean, it, there's not better jujitsu. I mean, that's like one of the best places to train jujitsu. And you, you, when you're over there training at times, you, I mean, I know you train other places to train up in Orange County, but when you're over there training at times, like training with some of the best jujitsu guys oh, yeah, definitely. In, in the world there. Yeah, definitely. And having all you guys, having you, Tino, uh, you know, Thomas, like every, like everybody, all the black belts that would be on the mat would just make you better. You know, yeah. it's like, and you Tino, guys, are, man. Tino's yeah. a monster, man. Yeah, Tino's, I mean, Tino's like my, was my name. Every time, we train like literally like we look at each other. He look at me and be like, okay, it, it's time. And we like, we like, I like wipe my sweat on my palms, my gi pants. Cause I know like we're about to go to war. Mm-hmm. Like we go, he was that, like, that partner that, yeah, 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 yeah. like we're going to go to war. People have stopped training and watch us. Yeah. I did that many times. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I always love watching you two go. Oh man, he's a monster. Yeah. What do you feel like uh, all the all the fighters that that are watching want to know this question? What do you feel like got got you noticed by the UFC? Why do you why do you feel like you got the shot at the Contender Series? Dang, I don't know. That's a good question. Hey guys, Chad Robichaux here. Are you ready to experience the greatest beef you'll ever taste while supporting an incredible cause? Well, get ready to sink your teeth into the irresistible beef from Skyros Cattle Company. At Skyros Ranch, where Mighty Oaks Foundation holds our West Coast legacy programs, Wayne Hughes Jr., the founder of Skyros Cattle Company, 
has dedicated over a decade to perfecting the art of raising premium beef. And guess what? You can now enjoy the fruits of his labor right in the comfort of your own home with the absolute highest quality beef you can find, hands down. And trust me, I'm a carnivore and I've tasted plenty of steaks and nothing comes close to a Skyro steak. These cattle are grass-fed and free of antibiotics, hormones, and vaccines. And for the last 10 years, I've personally watched these cattle graze 25,000 acres in Central Coast, California, and the taste is unbeatable. When you choose to purchase Skyro's beef, you're also making a difference by supporting the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Wayne is all about helping our deserving military and first responder communities through our faith-based resiliency and recovery programs. In every single penny, of your purchase goes directly towards assisting our nation's warriors. Let me reiterate this, because it's crazy. 100% of the proceeds of Skyro's cattle goes directly to Mighty Oaks Foundation to support our nation's warriors. So let's join forces and make a positive impact one delicious bite at a time and head over to skyroscattleco.com. That's skyroscattleco.com today and order yourself some tender, juicy cuts of beef Trust me, your taste buds will thank you. And one more little insider secret. Every warrior who goes through Mighty Oaks Legacy Program at Sky Rose will assure you that this beef is extraordinary and off the charts delicious. The very first thing our warriors get when they get to Mighty Oaks programs on Sky Rose Ranch is a delicious Sky Rose steak hanging off the side of their plates with a Sky Rose brand on it. And our warriors love them and you will too. For me, like as an observer, like I'm still to answer your question, but uh, it's, it's just how, the way you fight, man. That's what people want to see. I mean, the matchmakers, you know, they're looking for people that's racking up wins, but they're looking for people that's going to give the, the fans what they want. I mean, it's it's a, it's the entertainment business. It's not just competitive. It's not just a jiu-jitsu competition or, or a kickboxing competition. It's the UFC is a, is an entertainment company. Yeah. A sports entertainment company. They want entertaining fighters and you, you give exactly a, I mean, like win, lose, draw, people know they're going to see like exciting fight with you. That, that, yeah. That's a fact. If you're not trying to just lay on me and, and hold me down, I'm, I'm going to come try to take your head off. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, to attest what to, you know, uh, Chad was saying, it's that, you know, I, I would always go to fight to finish. I would go to fight to hurt people. I would go and, you know, try to get my job done. Like most, I think all my wins up until the contender series were first round finishes, mm -hmm. even contender series, first round, you know, first round finish. I'd go in there, try to lay the dude out and get out, you know. And I get paid by the round trying to just get in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, I'm a, I'm a striker. So that's exciting to watch. Yeah, everybody yeah. wants to see strikers. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like who just fought uh, Derek Lewis and, um, um, who did he just fight? Uh, Alton, Al yeah. Almeida. Almeida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like everybody watched that fight and it's just like, he's just laying on the whole fight. Yeah. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, come on. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it's, and it's heavyweights, you know, at that. So everybody wants to see a knockout at heavyweight. That's when we watch heavyweights. Yeah. Did you see a lot, the, 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 the recent one? Yeah, yeah, I was there. It was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. Tom Aspinall did that. Yeah. yeah. That was incredible, man. I mean, honestly, I didn't think he could. <laughs> like, like, that Russian dude's like, just like, I mean, what he was like, six straight six fight first fight. round yeah. knockouts. And that was amazing. Yeah. Speaking of amazing fights, bro. Your fight with Dan Hooker, bro. <laughs> how on earth, bro? Like, I don't even know. Like, no disrespect to Dan. Dude's a monster, but I'm confused by that fight. One, I'm all the respect to him for 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 putting up with the damage that you did. Um, but I don't know. I watched that fight, and and I, I didn't see it go in the way the judges saw it go. 
So, um, yeah, I, I didn't either. I, was, I, I imagine you didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I finally watched the fight. I maybe just barely watched the fight like two weeks ago. Okay. So I, I digested it for a while. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say because yeah. he stole the end of that second round. Yeah. The mm. end of the second round, he, he took complete advantage of, you know, and it's like, that's that's what won him the fight in my eyes was that second round like that mm-hmm. middle that last portion because the the first half of that round the first round like, I got completely dominated but that last like forty seconds or minute whatever it was he just came to and that's what stealing around means right yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like it's like it's like oh you know it's just it just it just bothers me so much but you know he. He endured punishment that I didn't know was humanly possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't ever right, hit somebody. Head kick, yeah. Dude, I haven't ever oh. hit somebody that hard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and for him to keep coming, I was like, okay. He probably wanted that a little bit more than I did. Yeah. So it is what it is. He was a better man that night. But let's let's dig in that life lesson with that, right? Like, so fighters, you know, I this is one of the things I love about combat sports. It it it, re- it shows relative to life. Uh, there's so many lessons like that you learn on the mats or in the, in the ring that translates to regular life, like work ethic, discipline, like learning how to win, learning how to lose. And with learning how to lose, sometimes you can lose a fight and then say the judges, the referee, whatever circumstances, or you can look at it and say what you just said, maybe he wanted it more than me at that moment. He took the last 40 seconds. I, I, you know, I sat on my heels for 40 seconds when, when he got on his toes and dug in, like, you could like make yourself better because of it, or you could just be mad at the world because of it. Like hey. as, as a fighter, like those kind of like right or wrong, like th- those kind of things push you forward, right? That's the kind of things that make you a better fighter. Oh yeah, definitely. And it all translates to life. You know, it's like, I can sit here and be like, what was me? I lost because of this, this and that make every excuse. Or I could just be like, you know what? He was the better man. And I give him the respect that he got, you know, like he, he won the battle, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Like, I'm going to be better from it. He's going to be better from it. I'm going to grow from it. And that's how my whole, the whole trajectory of my career has always been. You know, anytime I had a setback or a loss, I learned a lesson. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm sad. I'm this, I'm that. Like, no, I've gotten better and I'll always get better. It's like, it's always pulled me back to taking me three steps forward, you know? So yeah. that's how, that's how I look at it. Just, there was so much going on before that fight that, you know, weighed so much on my mind going into there that I'm so proud of my performance for what I did, yeah. you know? And that's how I look at it. And like I said, everything is a lesson. You know, it's, there's things that go on that people don't get to see that don't that they don't understand. Sure. You know, a couple of people have asked me, they're like, oh, you didn't look like you were on? Like, what was going on? Like, like close people. And yeah. I, I let them in on it, you know? But besides that, I take nothing away from it. Like, yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't be like, oh, it, that's the reason why I lost. Like, no, like I went in there and tried to do my job. I have to do my job. Like, no matter what happens, you got to continue to step forward. It's so yeah. important, man. You talked about it earlier, fighting the victim mentality. And we this, this nation struggles with that victim mentality hardcore, man. Yeah. It's always somebody else's fault for, for what happened. And, and you, you know, you said it, and Chad and all of us here as, as fighters, you, I mean, you don't enter the cage without – you know, you don't enter the cage perfect without something on your mind, without something happening in training camp or something happened at home or, or, and you're, you know, if you're working a, a job, a career outside of fighting, you don't enter that cage perfect. You, you never go in hundred percent. Yeah. You can't physically, mentally. You. Yeah. There's, there's something, but that's life too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I show up at work and you know, not everything's perfect. Uh, and I got, but I got to grind through the day, do my job and, you know, take care of my family and 
that's that's you know that's life yeah that's i think that's what separates <laughs> the men from the boys you yeah. know bite down your mouthpiece and dig your toes in and swing swing from fences still yeah, okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> keep going keep yeah. working yeah and then you know man and, and then like i said let, learn next time next time you got you know 40 seconds left and the coach uh, one minute left in this round you know i mean I, man that's one thing that i that i always like have like a prided myself on as as uh you know, if I pat myself, like pat my, like not boasting, but like pat myself yeah. in the back about it. It's every time I've been in there, like when I got that, that minute left, my mind's thinking like, instead of like, I only got a minute left. I see guys look at the clock sometime and I wonder where they're thinking when you look at, you know, they, cause you, you know, you got the big screens up and you can look at the clock and I wonder where they're thinking. Because for me, I was, I was, I was never thinking like, I only got a minute left. I'm like, that dude's got a minute left with me in there. Like, and if I'm tired, like I always, I always like liked when I felt tired. Cause when I felt tired, I'm like. Oh yeah, I'm feeling tired. That means he's dying. And so instead of backing off the gas, like if I felt tired, I, I slammed the gas because I'm like, if I'm tired, he's dying and I could break him. That was like always like my mentality. That's like one of the things that I've always like looking back that like I took pride in. You know, that that's something that I like I usually like embrace too. And it's funny because when I fought Gamrot, that was the one time like I heard a man breathing and I like mm -hmm. breathing heavy. And I was so fresh, but I could not go. Like he would be on the cage and he'd be like on my hips and I would be like, okay. And then I stand up and I just hear him like breathing heavy. And I'm just like, I'm like, why can't I explode? Was, like, was it physical or mental? It was like, all mental. Dude, the, yeah, that was the first fight I ever went in where I didn't zone out. Like I was like, I was conscious of everything going on. I could hear everybody in the crowd. I could hear Conor McGregor screaming, screaming uh, instructions at me. I heard everything and it was so weird to me. Mm. It was crazy, but I was comfortable. You know, I was like, yeah. I was almost too comfortable. Like I didn't feel like I was in a fight, you know, like when I, yeah. versus when I fought Dan, like I like, like my adrenaline was through the roof, you know, it was mm -hmm. like different. Like I was so zoned in for everything that was going on. So it was, it was, like I said, another experience, you know, just yeah. learning from it and learning how to deal with something like that. Like when it comes on. That's where the, there was all the, the, the fight IQ and, uh, and the composure like comes just from so many, like the more time you get in the cage, really look at those numbers. Sometimes that's a factor. I'm looking at fights. I'm like, Man, this guy's twelve and zero on a, on a win streak, but this guy's twenty nine and eleven. I'm like, I, I kind of favor that guy that has those uh, all those fights. Sometimes you've just been there. Yeah, in that, the trenches. Yeah, that literally just happened uh, with uh, who fought uh, Dalby. He fought um, uh, Bofim, Bofim, some, yeah. some. He just beat a uh, twelve and zero prospect. I think it was twelve and zero, twelve and zero, fourteen and zero. Just beat him. I was yeah. like, I seen it too. I was like, sometimes I like that 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 time that that. That time of just grinding in the trenches gives you something that extra edge. Yep, yeah, that extra push for sure. Yeah. So, uh, I guess through your training, like so many people, so many people in my life, like look back, you know, I've, I've been doing martial arts for 43 years now, and like so many people have been influential to me. Uh, and I know you have your guys you train right now, but who's the most, some of the most influential people that you train with throughout the, besides me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that you train with, you know, in your, in your time that, you know, kind of credit to your, uh, your, where you are today. The, the list goes on. There's so, so many, many people, right? There's so many people. You, you, yeah. you, you were offensive people. <laughs> leave some people out. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've done it for, I've done it for like almost 11 years now. So it's yeah. so many people that have helped me along the journey. Um, Lorenz Larkins helped me so much. Carlos Condent was the reason why I went to went out to Albuquerque, New Mexico to go train at uh, Jackson oh, Wing. Man, I could see it being just such a good training partner with you, his style. Dude, and, yeah, it was like that's what really 
pushed and elevated me so much was was that experience. I was still amateur at the time, you know, and he like he took care of me and let me go out to the gym and it was awesome. And then I met my, my grappling coach Ozzy out there. Um, I got to do that. I got to train with John Jones and Cerrone, like Phil Haas, like all these dudes out there, you know. And like we're all still cool to this day. So it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, and honestly, like there was so much like help and influence outside of like just people that I trained with, like. I wouldn't have made it here to this point without my mom's uh, my mom's support, you know, because she believed in, in me like throughout this whole process. And um, my sisters helped me so much, you know, like I got two kids, so they helped me with my kids. And shoot, it's oh Pat Tenore, like he was like the first major sponsor I had was through Ruka. So mm, yeah, so a part of the journey, um, I was still a local pro. I was I fought for Bellator a couple times. Um, I was working overnight graveyard jobs at warehouses, you know, trying to make ends meet and, you know, still training two to three times a day if I could, like running on like no sleep. And, you know, I finally like linked with Pat and I was like, I was like, yo, like, let's do a sponsor. Like he ended up seeing me train with Michael Bisbing for his Anderson Silva fight. And he like thought I was this young talent and he was like super invested in me and um, he ended up sponsoring me. And I like, allowed me to train and focus on training so much more so it was yeah know. it takes the pressure off of um, having to pay gr- pay for groceries and be able to focus on training investing in yourself exactly yeah and you know it's like people like that along my journey have like helped me leaps and bounds you know it's like those are the people i'm like super thankful for you know not just uh the people that come and go, the people that I really like made. Like there's so many, there's so many other fighters too. Like I could just, yeah, the right. list goes on. Like, your opponent sometimes, right? Yeah, make make you, know? you, yeah. Definitely. Make you. I remember my first loss was to Zach Makovsky, who's a Bellator champion and fought for main event of Bellator. And that's like, you know, the only time I've ever physically been around Zach was that moment, but I still like have so much respect for him. And we stay in touch because like he transformed me, not just as a fighter and a competitor, but even personally, because I, I, at that time, I believed that no one, I'm like, no one that weighs the same amount of me on the planet, like, can beat me. I, I believe that at the time. Like, I 100% believe that. And then I went, walked into that. You talk about, like, not going in ready all the time. But actually, I, I felt, like, completely healthy. I was, like, my best. And he beat me. And I, and I was like, there's a next level. And, uh, and it, it pushed me. And I actually carried that over into, into life. Like, man, I'll never stop, like, digging and growing and, and learning more and stuff like that. So, yeah, not just your friends and training partners. Sometimes your opponents, like... you share this thing with your opponent right you train together for like two three months separately but together training for each other to beat each other up and people always ask everybody's talking trash and at the end they're hugging and because you had this shared experience like together you know it's 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 almost blissful you know like you get to unleash as much as you can to see who's better at the end of the night you know so it's it's like what more animosity will we have past that you know what i mean just fought yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like what do people do when they're upset with you with each other they fight okay yeah. and after you're done fighting what do you do you care anymore no you guys got to fight whatever it is yeah. what it is like yeah. it's a natural human instinct just to be cordial after something like that especially as men yeah so this is always interesting interesting to me with with uh especially with fighters per, you know people that have been successful through different things and you know i think athletes are probably one of the biggest example of it. Most people that are successful in MMA came from humble beginnings, working, grinding. You look at Demetrius Johnson and, and uh, you know, Jose Aldo, like, you know, Demetrius Johnson, thinking that construction worker picture while he's like 
grinding and Jose Aldo, like coming up from the favelas, Charles Oliveira, like, yeah, you work in a warehouse job in the middle of the night. Like most people like sacrifice a lot to get there. So you came from this humble beginnings and now you're, I think your highest rank, you were number 10 was your highest ranking. Yeah. Yeah. You're number 10 in the world, you know, number 10 lightweight fighter in the world in UFC. Like that's, that's a big transition of lifestyle, attention, people like, you know, kissing your butt and, and telling you, you know, it's a really big transition. Like, so maintaining that humility and, and not changing to someone different. You've seen the, you know, at least from my perspective of seeing you on social media and, you know, our conversations, you know, and texting and stuff like that. Like you've seen to be the the same person through it all. Uh, would you say that about yourself or, or am I missing it? Like you, you got this big head now or <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm still as humble and humble as possible. Yeah. So like, like, like you said, you know, you went through that experience where you felt like you were unbeatable. Mm -hmm. I went through that experience super early on in my career when I went to Jackson's and I trained all these like, like lightweights and, and UFC fighters and I'm hanging with them and I'm, you know, getting the best of people in, in the, in, in the training room. You know, I, I went pro, I won my pro debut in 38 seconds. I won with the pretty much the first punch I threw in my next fight. I beat the dude in like 30, like, like a minute, you know, just another first round finish. So I was already like in my head, oh, I need to be in the UFC. I'm like on top of the world. I'm this, I'm that. I fight this guy. I was supposed to beat this guy all like any day of the week. I was supposed to beat this dude. And he ends up, he ends up clipping me. He ends up clipping me. Whole crazy backstory behind the, the way the fight happened. And I ended up losing. That humbled me. I've been humble since. I won't ever blow my head up about anything, anything in this, in this game, in this life. Like, it's yeah. it all comes and goes you could be on the top of the mountain and you could be humbled right away so it's difficult because you you start making money no you know, no and, it's and, still and, not and, difficult it's not it's for a lot of people though like you i mean look look at connor <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> i mean right I, I know i know i mean we don't want to bash connor in here but but i'm just saying like he's not the same person he was he, he talked trash how much before. of that is a show though but like I, how much of, of that is, right? is for Right for that exposure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know Connor personally. Yeah, I, but don't, I don't either. Maybe he's like that all the time. But how much of that is for the show? How much of that is for the hype? Like, you know, like is that really some, him? Some, like, it gets. I, I can't. I don't know him either, so I can't. I shouldn't pick on him. But no, you're some. It gets to some guys' heads, and they. Well, and you're right in viewing Connor from the outside. That's what you would assume. Yeah. You know. Um, but there's he's guys. Still, he's still with that that girl. For all that. I mean, still with that girl from the beginning, they they were they went welfare together, and now they're, you know, yeah, worth yeah. hundred million. I mean, together, he does does together. seem to be, you know, he always seems to be, you know, yeah, trying to be a kid. good father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per, so who yeah. knows? But he did you know, beat up, he did beat up that old man at the bar. Well, to your to your point, that wasn't cool. To your point, definitely. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god! I bet he hopes everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> well, to your to your point, Chad, definitely, and, and Nate. When Nate was on the show, Nate Marquardt was talking yeah. about this, and um, I see the same thing that Chad's talking about, Jalen. Like you're the same guy that that you were in the beginning, but some people allow the UFC to change them, you know, and or, or that exposure, and and mm -hmm. some people even feel the pressure of feeling like they have to take on this new personality yeah. to uh, to do that. So what 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 do you feel like keeps you grounded? I grew up skateboarding. I feel like that somebody just brought it up because mm -hmm. first, for, first and foremost, I, I will say it's, it's God for sure. Mm -hmm. 
But I will also say it's like the lifestyle of being a skateboarder because skateboarders are just so humble, you know, like, yeah. um, like, just chill, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that pavement's unforgiving, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I met, I met Chris Cole recently. He was like one of my favorite skateboarders of all time. Um, I met Ryan Sheckler, like another dude I looked mm. up to, and I met P Rod, another dude I looked up to, like skateboarding, and they were all super down to earth and humble. And are they like, fans of you now? <laughs> they probably I bet are. they are. I bet yeah. they are. Yeah. You know, They're like, I, hey, will you sign my skateboard? Yeah. <laughs> How many skateboards have you signed, Jim? How many skateboards have you signed? I don't think I've signed any. Skateboards Look out! Yet. We got to oh, change yeah. that. Yeah. We got to change. Are that. you friends with Benji? Benji. Benji's a. He trains at Tom's. He's a. He he owns a Thrash and Raid, a skateboard company. He was a he was a Marsoc Marine, a Special Operations Marine. Dude, I, dude, you just put me on the spot. Right? It's okay. It's okay. And I know I know him, but I I just yeah. I can't think his I can't uh, think of right now. Yeah, Dang. that's all right. That's all right. But he uh he 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 probably knows you, but I, I let him say he doesn't know you. He's like, who Jalen? Who? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah but that. no, he's he's a real cool guy. He's you. He, he's he's a white belt. At, at Tom, so there's a lot of right. So oh, that man makes you feel okay. better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but he's. I may has a blue belt by now, but but he's 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 got a cool Instagram page, so you should check him out. It's uh, Thrash and Raid. He does these little comedy skits, but he's a skateboarder. Word. Yeah, he's a cool guy. You, you got to connect with him at some point. Yeah, I'm down with yeah. that. Yeah, you were uh, you were saying skateboarding. It's like something that keeps you grounded. You feel? Yeah, like. you know, it's really humbling. You know, like I guess it's it's uh it's just it's a culture, it's a lifestyle. It's like it's really like easy going it's like surfers you know like like all surfers are super yeah. chill like, hey dude yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's like same with skateboarding you know i think it like it's like it's a bit universal so um well, you think, carry that on the mat because every time you're training on the training mat room i always see you over you're always like smiling and just happy like, yeah and yeah. and also like it's it's just my personality like how yeah. i've always been growing up like nobody in my family ever thought i'd be a fighter when they heard i was a fighter they're like what Jalen of all people like yeah. dude i was a kid that was like super sweet and you know, to myself, I was playing with bugs and animals. Like, <laughs> we still play it. You still do it. I still do it. Yeah. yeah. You Speaking know? of bugs, the tarantula. Is yeah. the story true? I heard that you were actually afraid of tarantulas. And so that in order to overcome your fear and not be a victim, like we've been talking about, you're like, man, I'm fixing to just get all these tarantulas. So I have like this thing where I, I don't like being afraid of things. Huh. I, I stopped the heights. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Yeah, because I asked you to go skydiving on this trip. Yeah. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> not happening. So, yeah. Um, I started hanging out with friends that hated spiders. You know, like, like my close friends, like we like, got scorpions together. Like, like that was like our thing. It was like scorpions at the time. And they, anytime they seen a spider, they freak out, like anything. And I hung out with these dudes for years. So as a kid, when I was super young, I, I didn't have a fear of spiders. And then I grew into it. And I was like, yo, I, I've never been like this. My sister and my mom would be like, come kill the spider. And I would not do it. I'd be grossed out. And I was like, I was like, where did this come from? And I figured it out. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, I'm like, let me get a pet tarantula. Let me get over this fear. I go to this pet store. I get this tarantula. And I'm like freaking out in the cage. I put it in the back seat, And I'd like drive it home. I was just like cringing but i put water in the cage and i watched it drink water and i was so fascinated mm, and yeah. then i got to hold uh, a couple days later i tried to hold it and it let me help like hold it and i was like oh this is Look awesome out. and after yeah. that i was just like oh i completely misunderstood you guys and yeah i dove in started researching them learning all the species species names and i was collecting them i was breeding them trading them Look i've out. had like a couple hundred at one point you know and i've just 
Yeah, I just nice. you got a spider web in your hair now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got you always have cool like Instagram videos of, of you and your tarantulas and the dogs. Yeah, and the yeah. dogs. Love, uh, dude. I've, I've loved animals my whole life. Every yeah. anything animal related, I'm all for it. You know? Yeah, and dogs have been like another another passion of mine. Like kind of same deal. One of my best friends is a, a professional dog trainer, so I've been I've been around oh, him. Oh, that's, like that's the the bite dogs you work with. Yeah. And stuff? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I've seen you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy, right? That the power they have, dude. Oh, yeah. My my arms always numb from them. Look out. <laughs> Honestly, we, we were talking about this with Mark Mark Geisen. That's one of my favorite experiences in Afghanistan is always watching those dogs bite people and hear them scream. Oh, I would love the to. bad guys, right? Yeah, like, hear them scream like. It's, and, <laughs> and Mike, Mike too. You you uh. You have some connection with Mike Ridland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So oh, we, yeah. Had, we had Mike on the show too. Uh, oh, Mike Ridland's on the show. Mike and Jalen. Uh, yeah. Jalen works with Mike's company. So. Yeah. He, oh, uh, the, man, the dog food. Yeah. 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 I didn't know. I, that's the dog food I give my dogs. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Team yeah. Dog. yeah. The team yeah. dog. Yeah. Team stuff. Dog. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. He, he's a cool dude. I've been on his show like a number, I think three times now and he's been on the show and He's a, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. He's, he loves jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a blue belt. He's now. newer in his, in his, yeah. uh, in his jiu-jitsu journey. Last time I went up to on a show, I brought my gi and we rolled, rolled around. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it was good. Did you fire him? I, pro- I probably did because I fire him <laughs> everybody, man. <laughs> I fire him everybody at least once. All right. And then, and then they, and then they sometimes they know after. That makes me feel better. <laughs> my pillow is celebrating their remarkable 20 year anniversary, and they want to thank each and every one of you for your support with an incredible offer. Right now, you can grab a queen size my pillow regularly priced at sixty nine ninety eight for just nineteen ninety eight. And for just an additional $10, you can upgrade to the king size. To claim this unbeatable deal, head over to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square. Use promo code DANGEROUS to unlock Mike's amazing offer. You can also call at 1-800-941-0272. That's 1-800-941-0272 and use the same promo code DANGEROUS. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact needs, ensuring you get the best night's sleep ever. The anniversary celebration also brings deep discounts on all my pillow products from luxury bed sheets and cozy my slippers to soothing towels and comfortable mattresses. Now, let me share a personal secret with you. I've experienced the my pillow magic myself, and I can't help but rave about it. The pillows are amazing. I use my pillow every single night, and the difference in my sleep since I've started using it is astounding. I wake up every morning and my neck feels great. Uh, I love my pillow. So here's your chance to join the MyPillow family and enjoy the best night's sleep of your life. Don't miss out on the biggest sale in MyPillow history. Remember, that's MyPillow.com, promo code DANGEROUS, or call 1-800-941-0272. Don't wait. This incredible offer won't last forever. Sleep better and feel better thanks to MyPillow. You mentioned you mentioned something important to me. You mentioned your faith, uh, and I know you've recently talked more about your faith. Uh, what's your history and your faith? And then, and, and, and I, you know, I want to hear that first. And I want to talk about how, uh, faith through, through being an athlete and fighting, but what's your faith history? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I grew up, I grew up in the church. I grew up Christian. Mom would take us to the church and I grew into resenting it because mm. of the people that were in the church. You know, yeah. I met some really not good people there and, it made me feel even more disconnected and distant. And um, I ended up straying away for a long time. Yeah. You know, I ended, I ended up getting baptized and everything. And, you know, I ended up just going down 
uh, just another path. You know, I just didn't feel didn't feel like that was for me. Um, fast forward these last these last few years, you know, uh, I connected with some some people. I connected with one of my friends from middle school. He um, ever since I've known him, he's been walking the Christian walk and he's been such a good guy. We reconnected. And every time I talked to him, I had like some weird, like crazy connection with God. Every, every, every time I'd have a phone call with him. Yeah. And, um, this one time I was out with my dogs and my kid and it's due from Texas of all places. You know, he stops, like my dog jumps the fence. He stops and like, Oh, is she cool? Yeah. I was like, yeah, she's cool. We have a two hour conversation about God, all kind of stuff. And it was wild. It blew my mind. I had to call my buddy Nick. I was like, yo, I don't know why these things keep happening, but it's happening. And he was like, he's like, God just wants a relationship with you. So that was the first, that was like one of the first seeds that was planted, you know, and I always remembered that. Then fast forward, um, one of my coaches comes into my corner. So he's a new coach. I met him at Jackson's. Um, he's super cool, super down to earth. And he like, same, same thing. Like I just talked to him. Like we just have these crazy, like, like experiences i'd have like deja vu would have just so much would just happen i was just like dang like this it has to be a sign you know and i was just i'm stubborn me so i'm like you know what like i still believed in god but i just didn't like really follow and i was like all right like cool it's happening like boom and then after the after my fight with gamrock i had um someone comes into my life close friend and that was like the seal for me to be like, you know what, like this is too significant for it to be a coincidence. So I started following, I started finding out, I started getting back in church. I started, you know, reading the Bible, looking for answers and, you know, made the connections and yeah, I just gave my life completely. You know, I've been lukewarm for a long time and <laughs> yeah. I no longer wish to be lukewarm. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm really proud to hear that and happy to hear that. Cause uh, you know, life's, Life's hard enough. It's really a lot harder to do it without God in your life. And, you know, most of us search our whole life for purpose and beyond just being a UFC fighter. Like, you know, yeah, I always say you can't be who you created to be, created to be unless you have a relationship with the creator. And, yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's really cool. As a fighter, I, I've gotten this question a lot. And you, if you haven't got it yet, you'll probably get it. Like, how could you be a Christian and go in there and try to knock someone else mm -hmm. out? And, uh, I love that question personally, but go ahead. Yeah, I wait. I want I want to hear you elaborate on this because I've 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 struggled with that. When yeah. I fought Gamrot, or I've not not Gamrot. When I fought Dan, mm -hmm. I I had a, a, such a big uh, conflict with, with my spirit, you know, because yeah. I seen him after the fight. Yeah, and I literally was like, like, dang, like I could have really like hurt him. Like I I hurt him <laughs> bad, you know, and it made me feel. Yeah. It didn't feel right, you know what I mean? Like I looked at him, like, oh, he's this another man. It's a, like he's yeah. a father. He has kids. He can't be with his kids because he's spending time in the hospital getting surgery. I'm like, dang, like, I did that to this man, and that's the same like the same way I'm looking at it. That could happen to me. Yeah. So it really conflicted me. I ended up talking to a psychiatrist about it, you know. Mm, so yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you my perspective on what's the what's the fighter uh, from Canada, uh, Rory McDonald. Yeah, I can't I can't believe I, yeah. his name slipped my mind. We we actually follow each other, and he's he's, he's sent some real encouraging words. Uh, to, to me about the work we do at Mighty Oaks and the ministry we run. Uh, really great guy. Uh, and he's, he's a real strong believer, but he wasn't before. And he had this, he had this transition to where he became a, a Christian and he had a conflict with this. Uh, and now he's still fighting now, but he had this moment to where he tried to reconcile this. You might want to look at some of the stuff he said, he even, he even said like, I don't have that killer instinct anymore because I have you know, the heart of Jesus in me now. And I can't, I don't know the exact words he said, but he was communicating something to start now. 
he's he's slaying people in the cage again. So, <laughs> but he's but it, you know he he dealt with that too. And I don't think I ever did because for me, I started competing at such a young age. You know, I started martial arts when I was five, and and I competed my whole life. Not in MMA, obviously, I didn't fight amateur MMA until '97, and then professional MMA in '99, and then I, you know, uh, I fought until 2013 professionally and. But for me, I never aspired to be an MMA fighter because you're a different generation, right? You you were a teenager and said, I want to be an MMA fighter. So to me, it was a natural, like slow transition into competition. Went from competing one way to now competing in MMA. So I've always looked at competing as a sport, like soccer or anything like that. And uh, And so as I've gotten asked this question over time, I really think the answer for me was like, where's my heart lie? Like, is there malice in my heart uh, when I fight? Am I trying to intentionally hurt the guy? Like, do I have this mean streak in me that wants to hurt him? You can see it when you watch guys fight. Like, you can see the difference. Yeah. I mean, you, you see the difference between, and, and this guy's a friend of ours, uh, who we both love. I mean, he has to be angry to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to, be, when I'm in the back, people, I've got asked in interview before, what are you listening to before you go fight? You know, listen to like Rob Zombie or ACDC or, you know, or, or, uh, DMX. Like, what do you listen to to pump you up when I go out? I'm like, I listen to Nora Jones, man. Cause like, I want to be like calm and relaxed and people are laughing, but I, I want to be composed. I want to be in a good place of mind. I don't want to have that meanness inside of me. I want to be focused and, and do my best. So for me, like, I think the litmus test as a Christian is the, is, is there malice in your heart? Or are you going out there for your ego to try to look tough? Or are you going out there to try to hurt the guy? Or are you going out there in a sport within the parameters and rules of a sport to compete like soccer? If the, the answer is the latter, then I think you're, you're a good standing with uh, you know, your faith. That's my personal opinion. I mean, I mean, what, what resonates in your heart is probably, might be different than what resonates in mine. And, and I never would try to impose what I think on, on anybody else. But for me, that's what I believe it is. And, and, and I never competed in in 20 fights, I never competed once, and I'm, I'm thankful of this. Even when I wasn't a Christian, I never competed against someone that I wanted to hurt them, that I wanted to. Even I had one guy, like, when I fought for the legacy belt, uh, and I won, the, I won the inaugural legacy belt. I had this guy, Lewis McKenzie, who was, he was, like, talking, like, I never had that before. He was talking, like, crazy trash to me and telling me he wanted to take the belt and put it in a trophy case next to my head and stuff like that. I was like, I didn't even, didn't even, I didn't even like, entertain it. I was just like, I'm going out there to compete and win. And, you know, and I never, I just never had that malice in my heart. So that's how I reconcile it. So I don't know if it helps. It, it definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Sean's a Christian. Sean's yeah. out there like, he's like mauling people. Like I, <laughs> I, they should, they should, they should have charged you. At last <laughs> they should have pressed you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the same for me. Like there's a, there's a set of rules that person's agreed to step in the cage and compete against me. And I pray for my opponents. No joke. Like I, I, yeah. I pray for my opponents before. I pray, I pray for myself. I pray for a swift victory because that's less damage that he takes. And I pray for a non-life-altering injury. I want to finish him. And, and if I have to do damage to do that, I'm going to do damage to do that. Make no mistake. But I'm not praying for a life-altering injury for him. Um, you know, and there's something like, you know, um, you know, men need to be challenged. And iron sharpens iron. And that's another way that that... It's one of the most challenging things. It's one of the most challenging things you can do. And you learn a lot in the fight game, as we've all talked about here. And and sometimes, you know, the Lord may be using you to teach somebody a lesson or using them to teach you a lesson. And MMA is just that sport. I I got two things to say about that. One, God's given you a a gift and talents. 
and uh, and you know fighting isn't abusing those. Uh, it's but with that comes a platform, right? So me and Daniel, you remember Daniel Kim? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Daniel Kim is a world Muay Thai champion, and he used to be my Muay Thai coach, and he was a Christian way before I was, and he'd always like, uh, but we'd always we'd always say uh, when I came around that we're fighting for the microphone. The loser don't get to say anything every now and then to give him a chance, but but you're fighting for a microphone, yeah. and when you get that microphone, you could profess and give credit to whatever you want. And it's a chance to, to glorify God to millions of people. When you glorify, the Bible says you glorify God in everything you do, right? Whether it's cleaning this table or, or, you know, or, or whatever occupation you have or, or winning a fight, right? You have a chance to glorify God. And, and uh, I know one time Dana White said, you know, the, that microphone in the UFC isn't a place for that, but then he's kind of recanted. He's, came yeah, back he's recanted that. He's later. recanted that. Yeah. And uh, so, man, that's your chance to like, you win, like, well, if I got like, uh, I love Comzit just recently, uh, Comzit, did I say his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah he, he just recently like used, used the microphone to talk about unity and peace amongst, you know, like everybody come together and stop each other. Yeah. He's another one. Yeah. That dude's platform is yeah. all about spreading, spreading the gospel, yeah. you know? But um, so my last, my retirement fight, I fought Andrew Yates. You know, he was 24 years old. I was 38. He's uh, undefeated. He was eight. No. And, uh, and I, I was like, I want to go out strong. Right. And, uh, and, and, uh, but then I, I was like trying to like have this like match with it. You know, you, you don't want to become friends with the guy. Like you don't want to hate yeah, the guy yeah, before, yeah. but you don't want to become best friends with the guy yeah, before. Not going like, to, yeah. Going you to you see him, you see him walking, <laughs> you know, you see him walking the thing and you're like, Hey, what's up? You know, good luck. But you don't want to be like his buddy. Well, his dad's a retired Sergeant major and I'm running the veterans ministry. They're huge fans of mighty Oaks. And, uh, and they're, they're, they were Christians. They're like, we watched some of your messages and we're like, I'm like, man, I want to be friends. I want to we could be nice. Like next. And so <laughs> we're at the weigh-ins and we weigh in and, uh, and they asked, they asked if we could all pray together. And, uh, you know, oh, this is, God. this is world series of fighting NBC sports. So the, all the cameras out there. And so, uh, me and my family and my coaches and him and his family and coaches, we all got in a circle that we actually prayed together for the fight and, uh, and they, 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 uh, they captured it on video. And then, and then when they did the pre, the, after that way in they did the pre-fight like interviews and stuff like that and asked like how are you guys gonna you just pray together how you guys go fight i'm like it's gonna be the most violent fight like of the night like like like, i'm telling you like and uh and i choked him unconscious you know like so i put him to sleep but but uh you know it was really cool to, to be in that like there was no like animosity it was like this piece i really care about that guy and then after that him and his family did a Buffalo Wild Wings event and he did an autograph signing thing, like a, you know, like a guest appearance. And uh, he signed a bunch of autographs and stuff and raised money for Mighty Oaks and wrote, sent a check to Mighty Oaks. That's it was super cool. Yeah. Very but I did cool. choke him out. So sorry, Andrew. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> At least you prayed before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I choked him out in Jesus' name. <laughs> I was like, uh, my dad uh, joke sometimes when I'm speaking is there's no better time to share the gospel than when you're choking someone. You, Choke, choke the hell out of them. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Choke the hell out <laughs> yeah. of them. I love it, man. That's, that's yeah. great. Yeah, man. really cool people. Every day, more than 22 veterans take their lives. That's a devastating reality that we can no longer ignore. But what if I told you that number actually is much higher? According to a recent study, the actual number of veteran suicides could be double the federal estimates. That means 44 veterans could be lost to suicide every single day. Whether the number is 22, 44, or one, one is too many. But there's hope. Mighty Oaks Foundation provides a lifeline for veterans, first responders, and active duty communities struggling with PTSD, depression, and thoughts of suicide. Our non-clinical, faith-based, peer-to-peer programs 
focused on spiritual resiliency, providing our military and first responder communities to overcome their hardships of service and find a new life purpose. We know that the road to recovery isn't an easy one, but with the support of Mighty Oaks, our warriors can find the hope and healing they need to move forward. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org, and learn how you can support our mission to end the epidemic of suicide in our military and first responders communities. Together, we can make a difference. Hey, so b- before we wrap up, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a chance to you know, plug all your stuff, but we have, we have, we have a, a gift here for you. Oh, and uh, yeah, so last time we busted one of these out, uh, Will Taylor over there almost cut his finger off. Yeah. And so, but uh, they're super sharp. Very, very sharp. So this is a knife from ApolloKnivesUSA.com. So you go to ApolloKnivesUSA.com and the guy who owns the company and makes these knives, is a, he's a force recon Marine. And he's actually instructor at recon school right now. So he's, he's currently instructor and he started his company. So they're, they're very nice. Uh, and uh, some of the best, I'm being careful here, anime knives. So uh, it says stay dangerous on it and it has your episode number. And so and episode 26. Blood splatter. And it's got some blood spatter on it. But uh, again, warning you how sharp, <laughs> sharp <laughs> this thing is before you touch it. But uh, I'll ask them to make a knife that you can use every day. So like you could use for cutting, you know, vegetables or meat or whatever. And you could use this as an everyday cooking. Like you could use it for anything. Uh, That's awesome. There you go. And the, the case even has a, has a, uh, oh, the stamp of the number on it. Yeah. And so if anybody, if anybody's interested in a knife like this, ApolloKnivesUSA.com. I think I have tip in here. That's right. So if you can't fly, if, I don't know if you had check luggage, you probably don't. We could, we could ship it out to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, That's awesome. And there's a case for it. So, cool. yeah. Thank you so much. You bet, brother. You bet, man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, and a copy of, of Saving Aziz, because we're supposed to be friends and you hadn't read my book yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. In my defense, I just started reading books consistently this year. Okay. <laughs> it is on audiobook, so if you can endure listening to me for six hours, it is it is on audiobook as well. And I don't know if I don't know if you know, but this is being made in a motion picture film. Yeah, oh, so, what? Yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah, it's gonna be made in a film, and it's a very big budget attached to it. And uh, I'll tell you when we're not recording, who's 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 making it. Oh, so so I didn't get a cast in, in the movie. Out. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I'll tell you. Uh, uh, <laughs> see, you could jump in. So I tell you this: like <laughs> we we Rampage said the same thing. Rampage is like, I will jump in. I was like, I'll do a cat. I'll I'll do a role for free. I'm like, man, you could be one of the military guys. And uh, I said, but you're gonna have to jump. I don't he's, like, what? he's like, yeah, exactly. Oh, so he, no. said, he said, man, screw your movie. Oh, no. So <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted the military guys, you just gotta you gotta do a jump. I might do it for the movie. Okay. Look out. No, okay. no, no. Look out. Hey, there we I'm go. A, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to start screaming. I'm not, no. Daniel. So Daniel is, Daniel is a, so I got 600 jumps. Daniel's got 11,000 jumps. So, so if you pass out, 11,000 jumps. He'll get you so, down safely. So have you ever had anybody pass out in, in your, as instructor? I would be the first one. <laughs> for real. So after I fought, after, before I fought Brad, I told myself I'll win this fight. I'm gonna buy these these uh these uh skydiving tickets and I'm gonna go. Had all my coaches do it, bought the tickets, and I was like looking at it, I was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, you said earlier, and we we got we could roll it back to tape. You said if you're scared of something, 
you do it. Look out. Look <laughs> out. Look, so, I, look, I said I stop at heights. I saw, oh, you did you say did, that. You did, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, and fair. Yeah, to you be did. fair, you did, you did do that. I've tried for years. I can um, I can go on tall buildings. I can look over things. I'm good with that now. Jumping out of a perfectly good airplane for no reason? I'm okay. Well, here's the thing. that Most of them aren't perfectly good. In fact, more skydivers crash in the planes than they do. So... <laughs> I don't know that you're convincing him. I don't know that we're convincing him. I want parachute to get out. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? You've you've known more guys guys to die crash in plane crashes probably than than skydiving. My cousin that wasn't. Yeah. Wow. Was no. no. He had yeah. his parachute on. He's gonna get out. So there you go. It's not the parachute. Yeah. Plane. Jump. That's why we jump out. <laughs> That's why you jump out. Yeah, that's why I jump in. So we, we got one more. That's one why more, I don't uh, fly either. <laughs> you don't fly at all? Um, you don't like to fly either. Yeah, I don't like to fly. I have a weird motion thing, like an extreme, extreme motion thing that I, that I can't handle, like the, the, the motion of the plane, like gotcha. wrecks me. Gotcha. So, yeah. So we have, an, we have another new thing for you. This is uh, the Stay Dangerous Challenge. And uh, you, you can't chicken out because you're, you're a professional fighter. Yeah. So. Oh, this is gonna shock me. <laughs> so it's it's a shock roulette. So we uh so we play it and it's gonna make some noise and, and get us all sweating and nervous and then somebody's gonna get shot. All right, let's go. Pro- probably you. Probably you. I'm not getting knocked. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's see. Uh, we do fingers or thumbs. Three. Uh, there we go. Um, right here. So you're in this one. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> Oh, it's me. It's gonna be you, bro. Yeah. Oh, it's me. Yeah, That's right. You. We need some fire. Stay strong. We need Stay some. Strong. We need some more juice, though. I think oh, we for need, sure. We, we need say a, it every time. We're gonna put a car battery on this thing. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that was that was so durable. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. I thought it was gonna be like, ah. yeah. There's gotta be a way. We gotta get some at least to stiffen people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like a taser. Yeah, like a taser. Yeah, yeah. I go. tased myself yeah. before. I, that yeah. that was crazy. Taser's next level, bro. Next level. I'd rather be tased any day than get OC sprayed. That was the worst day of my life. The OC spray? Oh, worst day of my life. Literally, worst day of my life. Yeah, I'm good. Most excruciating pain I've ever been in my life. And it lasts. We use the oil base. Yeah, yeah, it sticks. So it sticks. So it lasts about 45 minutes. You're in pain for about 45 minutes. Literally, worst day of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I don't know if you know. I was a police officer in New Orleans for a few years. I went active in the military. I went in the reserves for a few years. While well, I went to college, I was a police officer in New Orleans. Then I went back in the military. But uh, we were we didn't have the taser guns that we had spray. spray and yeah. I got sprayed so many times by other police officers. I remember like one time this guy comes in and I like had this guy down. I'm trying to handcuff him. He was like fighting and and the guy comes Every in time. and he's like he's like right right at me, just put it right in my room. face and just spray me. Yeah. And then by that time the guy's like. Like this, and I'm like, oh no, you're getting sprayed too. I'm like, I'm like I got sprayed. You're getting, everybody's getting sprayed. Like, it's the gift that keeps on giving, yeah. man. It's a, it's a real deal. So See, I haven't, I haven't had any experience with that yet. I've been around it, but not, yeah, sprayed. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> hey, man, before we get off, uh, anything you want to plug, or I mean, where can people follow you? Anything that you're about, like any of your sponsors, anything you want to support? Um, Shoot, um, the tarantula on Instagram, um, Jalen Turner on Twitter and Facebook. 
Shoot, I don't know. You just be cheering for those fights. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, support me. Watching this guy and cheering him, man. He's <laughs> yeah. he's an exciting fighter to watch, and, and obviously you guys know now what I know is good dude. Good dude. And it's, it's it's always fun to support good people. Likewise. So and now we're gonna we're gonna go do some shooting. Let's do it. All right, Jalen Turner, staying dangerous. Thanks, guys.